Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Hold your applause. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to be with you. And Dr. Marisa Charles is with us. She is a, a primary care physician with WellMed Medical Management. You find her at the Ingram Park WellMed Clinic, and you're uh, welcome to uh, to stop by. I also want to note, uh, Dr. Charles, we are now uh, airing in Florida, in Tampa, on two radio stations, and we're delighted to be a part of that market That's as fantastic. well. fantastic. Absolutely. And it turns out when you talk about the... Uh, uh, primary patient load that many, but not all, but many well-med physicians have. It's predominantly older people. We do tend to cater to seniors, absolutely. And in Tampa, I can't imagine it's any different. <laughs> Probably not. Well, speaking of Florida, we're going to jump down right now to Haines City. Dr. Emmanuel Jane is their lead physician at WellMed at Haines City. We've had him on before. He received his medical degree from the University of Santo Thomas in Manila, Philippines, completed his residency in family practice at the University of South Florida in Tampa. And Dr. Jane is board certified in family practice and geriatric medicine. Dr. Jane, thanks for coming on again. Thank you. It's very nice to be with you again. Well, we always enjoy having you because you just know so much about so much, which is really pretty cool. And we want to start a topic today that uh, uh, you just can't talk enough about, and that's the whole issue of prostate cancer. Can you give us the 411 on what it is? Yeah, prostate cancer is the second leading cancer among men. And oftentimes that's the scare that the women, men have with their prostate. And as they get older, they would have symptoms of prostate condition, but not necessarily cancer. Cancer of the prostate is a very slow-growing cancer that uh, it's even... Uh, a decision-making that we do with the patient to do the uh, evaluation with the PSA to see if they have prostate cancer. And it used to be we recommend from 40 to 70 to do the test of the PSA, but now that's not the, the full recommendation. It has to be shared with the patient whether they want it done or not. So it's still, it's still a very common cancer, but it's lowest cancer that men can have. And I understand that uh, with the PSA, there often are uh, some false positives well, when you do that test. It's, it's a blood screening, right? Correct. It's not a test for cancer. It is a substance that is only present in the prostate. And if there is any problem in the prostate, that goes up, but not necessarily cancer. You can have elevation of the PSA in so many other conditions. Even just uh, a congestion of the prostate causes the PSA to go up. Absolutely. And you have even, some infection. Mm -hmm. And even just uh, doing a digital exam with the prostate can increase it, the, the amount of the PSA in the blood. That's right. Even trauma can cause that elevation of the PSA. Mm -hmm. Correct. Some of them would go into biking and we tell them to rest for a week or two before we test their PSA. They have been, you know, riding their bike. So that's right. That'll that's, jostle your prostate. It will, yeah. And that's very interesting, Dr. Jane. I did want to make sure that we talked a little bit more about that PSA because you're right. In, previously, 
it was recommended to have that PSA test once a year, every year. So we still get a lot of patients that come in asking for that test. I did for a lot of years. Absolutely. A lot of patients did. Yeah, we stopped doing it at age of 70. And we start testing them at probably 45 to 50. But right now we don't even recommend that. Only if they have risk factors that includes uh, previous cancer or family history of cancer uh, or any other cancer in the family, or even if the patient is just anxious about having it done, we don't discourage them. We want them to come to one of the well-med clinic and uh, try to discuss the, uh, the test. Now, what about those digital rectal exams for the prostate? Do they still recommend yeah. that? Yeah, we used to recommend them, but we have found out that majority of the benign small cancers cannot be felt by digital exam. When you go for your annual physical, that's one of the things that they dread you would do. That's right. scared of that. So we do the prostate, but it's only the surface that you're really feeling. But now if you feel a nodule, well, that's significant. But even that does not always mean cancer. And uh, we have the enlarged, medium, and small, but most of the cancer are inside that you cannot feel. And you're doing this all um, by feel, not by sight. You don't have a little camera attached to your hand. <laughs> exactly. That's and it can lead to a lot of um, false positive in doing that. And a person who does the digital exam have to really be a, either a urologist or have done it every day and uh, look at his track record and see how many that he thought may have cancer came up to have cancer. And oftentimes there's a lot of false positive and there's a lot of uh, false uh, or over diagnosis of prostate cancer based on digital re- you know, rectal uh, exam. Now, I have had a specialist in prostate cancer say to me, we need to keep testing. People are living longer and longer and longer. And when we cut it off at age 70, what do you do for the guy who's in his 80s and 90s and develops prostate cancer? Well, even if they develop it, it's not really a... Uh, a you know, a, a malignant type of situation where you say, well, I'm going to die in six months. No. Even if they have cancer, is the slowest uh, growing cancer that men will have. And if they have a uh, expected life expectancy of, uh, let's say, five years, and this one will grow probably in 10 years before you can even notice it. So if their life expectancy is less than five or 10 years, we try not to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. He's Dr. Manuel Jane. I'm Ron Aaron. Marisa Charles is with us, our co-host on WellMed Radio. Dr. Charles and I come to you every week and talk with you about issues that affect uh, not only seniors, but uh, across the spectrum, talking today of prostate cancer. And Dr. Jane, who is with WellMed at Haines City in Florida, is our very special guest. When you have patients who come in, Dr. Janes, uh, who say, look, I want that PSA test, uh, and you say, but you don't need it, we don't do it at your age, and they pressure you, what do you do? Well, that's one of the indications that you have to do it, but you have to be knowledgeable about it. That's why it's a shared uh, decision-making. You tell them the facts. You tell them the incidents and the facts and the uh, sensitivity and the specificity of the test. Uh, what that means is that if I do the test, will that if it's high, does that mean I have cancer? You have to explain it to them in their own terms so that they can understand that uh, 
uh, or guide them as to whether their decision is correct or not. Because the treatment, once you have an elevated PSA, and that creates a lot of anxiety among men. And if he's already anxious about it, you have to tell him that if it's positive, does not always mean it's cancer. It can mean other things. Or just by being old, the PSA sometimes goes up. Yeah, not too many years ago, my dad was still alive, and on a Friday afternoon, he got a call from his PCP's office who said he had a, uh, a very elevated PSA, but they couldn't talk to him till Monday. So he spent the whole weekend worrying about what in the world was going to happen, and of course, on Monday, his doctor said, well, you know, Sal, at your age, don't worry about it, doesn't mean anything. So Yeah, what they, what they usually do or should be done is that you repeat it. You repeat the test. Right, like a confirmation. Uh, probably in a week or mm-hmm. two, because it could mean something else, not cancer. Right. Like what? Like you have infection of the prostate, hmm. or there is trauma to the prostate, um, or even just being constipated, putting pressure on the prostate can make it go up. So you really have to not rely on one test alone. So what is the role of the prostate? We have them, speaking as a male, and women don't. So it must play a role in male something. Uh, Correct. The prostate produces a substance that uh, makes us a medium where the sperm can swim into the uh, seminal vesicle. So the prostate produces that. That's why in the early, sometimes when they ejaculate, they said, I feel like I haven't reach an orgasm because I have nothing to ejaculate is because their prostate is not anymore working to produce that liquid where the sperm can can swim. And that's what the, the, the prostate does. Now, does it keep producing that throughout your lifetime? No, it tends to minimize the production of uh, the fluid, nor and also the uh, sperm is also reduced. If you were sexually active, is that true? Or can you keep that sperm count up by being out there doing your thing? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, it's uh, age-related, not by activity. Oh, it's related by? The reduction in the male hormone rather than the... Um, huh. Now, if you do it every time, the, the male hormone remains uh, high, but it will also decline with uh, age, uh, increasing in age. What got you interested in prostate and prostate cancer? I beg your pardon. What got you I mean, interested in prostate oh, cancer? A lot of my patients were, you know, majority of my patients, not as many as women, because we have now more widower also living at a later age. And um, majority of them would ask if they were younger. The older patients don't ask that question anymore because they have been knowledgeable about this. The fact that uh, some of them would even say, I have heart attack, I have huh. diabetes, hypertension, and the prostate, you know, there's the last in their mind is the prostate because it's not going to kill you with a sudden death. No, they're more worried. You know what the older people worry now more, more than prostate is dementia. They're more scared of dementia than prostate. And but so, it's a very important uh, condition that they have to consider. I'm going to come back and talk more about, you brought it up, dementia. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. We're talking with Dr. Emmanuel Jane, who is the WellMed physician at Haines City down in Florida. And we come to you every week right here, WellMed Radio.
You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around. And you're rocking and rolling with WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, a primary care physician with WellMed, a family doc. And down in Florida on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Michael Jane. He's WellMed at Haines City, also certified in family practice and geriatric medicine. And Dr. Jane, uh, we've gone through a, a whole lot of what the prostate is all about. And then you piqued my curiosity saying that uh, it is possible that a high PSA count uh, may somehow indicate or warn that dementia is uh, also present. Um, Did I understand you correctly? Uh, no, it's not that. I mean, they're more scared of dementia rather than probably oh, okay. the concern of the elderly, but it's not, okay. there's no correlation between high PSA, prostate cancer, okay. and dementia. But the, the fear is there. Oh, yeah, they're really scared, and oftentimes they don't know they have prostate cancer. And, in fact, the uh, one of the signs of prostate cancer is bone metastasis. They might come and say, I have bone aches and pains, and you do the x-ray, and there's some bone destruction. And the radiologist can sometimes give a suggestion that this could be coming from the prostate because that is where they metastasize, is to the bone. Or then after mm -hmm. that... The other organs are involved, the brain and all the, you know, everywhere else. So, you so there is no, there's really no symptoms of prostate cancer if they're looking for it. Absolutely, Dr. Jane. So I, I know you mentioned something earlier as well, which was that term, that shared decision-making. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So when patients come in and are, you know, getting their usual annual visits, you know, what is the shared decision-making? What are those conversations that you have with those patients to let them know what the best uh, practice is regarding prostate cancer at this time? Well, first is they are already scared being increasing in their age. They're worried about having prostate cancer without any symptoms. And um, if there is any family history of prostate cancer, then you have to uh, to do it to to make that patient uh, you know satisfy that that they don't have it or uh, that you are doing something to to evaluate if they have it or not because of the father or an uncle or a brother have prostate cancer. Sure, but to generally, stay vigilant. Generally, mm -hmm. I tell them that there's more other things that they can be more concerned about, and if they're concerned about prostate cancer, is this lowest growing cancer, and it's not going to they probably die of heart attack and stroke and other things rather than the prostate cancer. And that slow-growing cancer is? The, the prostate cancer. Prostate but, cancer. Uh, there are different types of prostate cancer, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it all depends upon the the uh, tissue uh, nature of that cancer. But generally, they they are not as fast as lung cancer or some other cancers. So, are there some other health recommendations that you give patients to try to reduce, you know, to think about staying healthy and reduce risk of prostate cancer? Uh, yes, generally, what comes to mind is smoking. Smoking has, you know, 120 substances, and 80 of them are carcinogenic. And uh, if they smoke, they have a high incidence of cancer everywhere, and that includes uh, prostate cancer. Absolutely. Are you still seeing smokers? Oh, yes, I, I see them a lot. And uh, even if they know what it is, it's very hard to convince them to quit. They cannot be convinced because they enjoy it. It relaxes them. I have to agree. Charles, yeah. I, yeah, I have to agree. I also still see several patients that do smoke, and we have those conversations about smoking cessation as well, but it is difficult to get somebody to quit unless they really want to. And yet they all know Well, it's, it's I mean, bad. It is bad, absolutely. So um, what are some symptoms? I know you talked about most prostate cancers are not going to have any symptoms, um, which is true. And some people will come in and it's more likely to be a metastasis that we identify at the beginning. But are there some symptoms that may alert a person that they could be having some prostate cancer? Uh, correct. Majority of the elderly patients, they usually lose weight after a certain age. And if you cannot explain it, that's one of the things that might be looked looked for mm-hmm. is uh, prostate cancer. You have done everything in uh, loss of weight and also pain in the pelvic area and the bone pain and also symptoms of we call prostatism. They may be getting up several times at night and you have to rule out prostatic enlargement, infection, and all those other things. Uh, but at the same time, you have to think that this could be uh, prostate cancer. So if you have any symptoms, I do it. I do the, the PSA, but it has to be repeated uh, to make sure that it is uh, that it is just due to the temporary uh, condition that the patient has with regard to his prostate. So I know previously many patients would have to undergo biopsies and surgeries for for this slow-growing cancer. Is that part of why we're not recommending the the frequent PSA testing anymore? Correct. I think one of the overdiagnosed cancer in the past was prostate cancer. And from uh, what we see, there's a lot of diagnostic procedures that were done. And you mentioned about and they say you, your PSA is high and you cannot feel any nodules in the prostate. The next thing you do is ultrasound. And the ultrasound came back negative. There's no tumor, but the PSA is very high. And you say, well, you have possibility of cancer, so they do the biopsy, and that's very painful. And they do four quadrants of the prostate and the pain, the anxiety that the patient had to undergo. And then it came back, there's a cancer in two or three of those samples that they have. Now you are committed. If the patient lives for another 10 years, you say the treatment is surgery. So now the patient is going to go with surgery and has a lot of uh, post-operative complications like incontinence, impotence, pain, uh, infection uh, that will result from all those treatment, and yet the patient has no problem. The patient has no problem urinating and is sexually active. What are you going to do? So we have found out that even doing more harm than good 
in trying to prevent prostate cancer in those patients. I had a similar conversation mm-hmm. with uh, my PCP the other day. We were talking about an issue that I've been uh, going round and round with, and uh, she said, well, we, we could send you to Dr. So-and-so who could do uh, you know a series of tests. And then I said, and keep looking and find something, and that means they got to do more, and it's not bothering me now, so let's not do that. It's true. Sometimes you fall down these rabbit holes. Of, there you go. You know, you send somebody for an x-ray and they see a spot. Oh, now you need a, a CT scan. And then right. the CT scan shows a spot on the liver. Well, now you need to look at the liver. And it ends up being nothing that the patient needed to be concerned about. But it's money out of their pocket. It's stress. And it's once you worry. see it, you're obligated to figure out what it is. You are. Is that right? Absolutely. So if you... Uh, well, again, shared decision making. <laughs> shared decision making. Yeah. Right. And but but the doctor, Doctor Jane, in shared decision making, you've got all the facts, you've got Correct. the knowledge, you've got the experience. We've just got gut feeling. Correct. What I tell my patients is that I'm the doctor. I decide you agree or disagree, and I try to convince them to agree. And then if 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 they agree, I said, well, well done. But I want them to disagree. Based on their anxiety or what they read in Google's and all that, but I tell them I dis- more or less I decide this that you don't need it because of this, 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 and that. But if you will agree, then we will not do anything. If you will disagree, then we will do it. Yeah, but Google takes you down rabbit holes. It's oh, not exactly. always right. Again, yeah. it's a shared decision that mm-hmm. you cannot take it all for. You know, my decision. No, I share it with them and let them agree or disagree with my decision. Because if I say you really don't need that, majority of them will take that, uh, will agree with that and said, okay, you're my doctor, I trust you. And they know that you are after their welfare. Absolutely. All right, so we talked about um, not smoking, so that's a good idea. Um, what about exercise or diet? Oh, that's very important because exercise will give them a general feeling of being good. They feel good. In fact, I tell my patient, don't worry about weight loss. Don't worry about uh, being physically fit and all that. It makes you feel good. So if you want to feel good, exercise. All right. And lots of fruits and veggies, huh? I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> for your diet, lots of fruits and lots of veggies. Also oh, yeah. a good idea. Definitely. I, I, I tell my patients that the best way to lose weight and exercise if they want to lose weight I think, one we talked about this before, that you exercise when you're tired and hungry. And that helps you lose weight. Oh, definitely, because where does the body get the energy if you are hungry? It's from the fat, and it gives you nine calories per gram. So you burn that, you'll have a lot of energy. It goes to your brain, it suppresses the satiety center, appetite centers, you have a lot of energy, and you lose weight, and you feel good, and even reduces the incidence of prostate cancer, oh, although that was not really studied where exercise can reduce the incidence, but it makes you feel good and gets your mind off the idea that you might have one. Yeah, but very often in a you know, situation like that, people get hooked on exercise, which is good, and then they uh, reach a point where they get burned out and they go back to where they were. That can happen sometimes, but you know, still doing as Dr. much. Dr. Jane is laughing. At yeah, <laughs> still doing as much as you can is a good idea. You know, build it up slow if you're not too physically fit. You know, to start with, but it's a good idea. 
I was thinking about Dr. Jane in light of COVID-19, and this is the longest show we have done in weeks that didn't mention yeah, the coronavirus. Right. Uh, there are a lot of people like moi who have been stuck at home intentionally who have put on that COVID-20, 25 pounds. It's like the freshman 10 tripled. Are you seeing that oh, okay. in your patients? Yes, I have seen a lot of my patients that even have ignored their uh, follow-up or they already have symptoms of other acute conditions that they don't want to go to the doctor because of the COVID. Right. Uh, and yet they have been having anginal pains in their cardiac patients and they don't see you or even volunteer to have it because of the COVID. They don't want to go to the hospital. That's true. And We're we, seeing we that as well. I encourage them to, you know, cope with the COVID, not run away from it. If you have any symptoms, don't be scared of COVID. Be more scared of heart attack, stroke, congestive failure, and all that than COVID. But also to know that in all, all of, most of our clinics, we are taking precautions and we're wearing proper protective equipment and we're trying our best to reduce the risk of, of exposure for the patients and ourselves. And so. you're clearing people on the sidewalk before they come in. Some, yeah, and doing uh, temperature checks and all of those things so that we can reduce the risk of spreading. Well, we are flat out of time. Hey, Dr. Jane, you're great to talk with. We appreciate it. And I hope you'll do it again soon. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate it too very much. I enjoy this uh, occasion to share it with you. Dr. Nice Manuel Jane, Wellman at Haines City. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host, Marissa Charles. You're listening to what? WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.